0: Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Cindy Brown, the author of the Ivy Meadows mystery series. Her latest, The Sound of Murder, was released this morning. Cindy, welcome. Welcome.
1: Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: And congratulations on the release. It's so exciting to actually get to talk to someone. We're talking the day before the release, so I know you have a million things going on, but it, it's really exciting to talk this close to the release.
1: It is. You know, I actually thought that maybe since this was my second book that I would be able to sleep at night, but not really. Huh? <laughs> it's very, it's, there's so much going on. It's really cool.
0: Okay, let's get right to it. Let's start off by talking about your heroine, Ivy Meadows. Tell Mm -hmm. listeners a little bit about who Ivy is and what makes her so much fun.
1: Okay, well, Ivy, uh, first of all, her real name.
0: (laughs) And this is part of the fun. I wasn't even going to try and pronounce her real name, so I'm glad you jumped right in.
1: Her real name is Olive Zigwart, which her dad used to tell her meant victory nipple. She's not really sure why that was supposed to make her feel better. but um, So she decided to change it for the theater. And yes, there's a bit of truth in this. And my name may have been something really close to Zigwart at one point. Um, So she decides to change it. And she first of all tries the thing that her drag queen friends do, which is you take the name of your pet and you combine it with the name of the street where you grew up. And so hers ended up being stubby rural route number two. <laughs> so she didn't like that. So she just basically found a um, a subdivision uh, called Ivy Meadows and stuck with that. And here's the interesting thing. That's a real person's name. <laughs> I, um, I met an Ivy Meadows years ago and I asked her, I said, can I use your name in a book? And she said, oh, yeah. So um, Ivy Meadows it is, and Ivy is a struggling actress. She loves the theater, and she's always, always, always wanted to be an actor. Um, In the first book, though, she also loses her waitressing job at Olive Garden, and acting is not a particularly uh, well-paying profession. So she's kind of stuck about what to do, and her uncle Bob, who is a private investigator, offers her part-time work in his firm, his investigation firm. So she begins to learn about the PI business in book one, and in book two, she gets her first real case. But she's always kind of torn, no, really torn, between wanting to be an actor and now wanting to be a, be a private investigator because she loves the work and she really loves her uncle, too, and she's hoping to make him proud of her.
0: And, of course, that's part of the fun of the book, the, uh, the conflict that, that comes into play when you've got all of this rehearsal time that, that needs to be taken care of. And then you occasionally have to go out and do some investigation and some work and you've got an uncle checking on you and, and it's all part of the fun.
1: It is. And you know what, this, okay. I, I like a lot of writers. I take things from real life and kind of steal them and stick them in my book. And, uh, years ago I knew a guy who was an actor and a private investigator. That was his day job. And it was really interesting. Cause one of the reasons we, ways we found out, cause he was very hush hush about it is we were trying to do promo photographs for, we were in bus stop. We were trying to do promo photographs. And he said, I can't let people see my face. And so we had to take all of his shots from the back. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the thing about acting or being in the theater is it's, yeah, it's really difficult to have a typical life along with it because you are in rehearsal. You rehearse odd times. If you get to the point where you're professional, you're often touring and it's not really conducive to uh regular jobs, regular relationships, even, you know, staying in one place for the same time, for a long time. But that is part of the fun.
0: You know, I came across your work for the first time with the the first book, which was MacDeath, and I want to talk about these titles a little bit later, (laughs) but uh, a mutual friend, a friend of this show, and a mutual friend of ours, Bruce Cantwell, uh, sent us a tweet, I guess, you know, what do you call that? He, He tweeted us together and thought that you know we might be able to put something like this interview together and i'm like well i I," things like that i'm a little iffy on because i might not like the book and so i just very quietly downloaded MacDeath and read it and it's like oh my gosh this is fabulous so (laughs) then i contacted you and said yes we have to do we have to do an interview when your new book comes out so thank you to bruce for doing that bruce is a a fantastic author in his own right
1: he is he is and i'm so glad we connected we um we connected at Left Coast Crime, which for you mystery readers and writers that don't know about this conference, it is so much fun. It's basically three days of mystery, 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 and hanging out, talking about how to kill people, and it's it's wonderful. And Bruce has been, uh, we just met, he, basically we met as he was a one of my readers, but he lives here in town and we have since become friends. And he's a wonderful writer too. So it's, it's been great. Thank you, Bruce.
0: Yes. Thank you, Bruce. So uh, let's get back to the sound of murder. Again, these titles, I want to get back (laughs) to these titles. We're going to talk about that, but tell us about the sound of murder.
1: Okay. Well, in the sound of murder, uh, things are going really well for Ivy. She has just landed her first real private investigation case um, she's been working part-time and mostly doing filing and such. And then she has also uh, landed a role in a new musical mashup called The Sound of Cabaret, which is a mashup <laughs> of The Sound of Music and Cabaret. yet singing nuns and Berlin burlesque. Um, and it's all set in a retirement community. And there's a reason behind that, too. Uh, it's set in a retirement community. And what Ivy, though, uncovers is that there's a seeming suicide that she is sent to investigate. It starts tying into the people at the theater, and it puts her in the sights of a serial senior killer, which doesn't sound very funny, but it really is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is. And I live in a retirement community, and I'm surrounded by retired people, so I— you must know a few because you you hit you hit that group very very kindly in the, in the book. So uh, oh, <laughs> kudos you. to you for portraying them so well.
1: <laughs> thank you. Yes, I, the idea came from my my father. My dad and my mom live in a place called Sun City West, which is a big. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically the one in the book, um, and um, my dad is on the posse, which is mentioned in the book. He's on a. It's like a volunteer police department. It's, I think it's pretty much an Arizona thing. Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio um, kind of went on the books and found out that you can have, you can deputize people and have posse's. And so there are these volunteer cadres. And in the case of the retirement communities, there are like police stations. You go in. There's dispatch. They use the same cars as the county sheriff. Um, they they use they have the same uniforms. It's really fascinating, but I also want to thank you uh, for saying the thing about being so kind and respectful to my senior characters, because that's actually, as you can probably tell, part of the theme of the book. I, I often feel like seniors, and I, I, t- I wish there was a better word for that, a better term, but I also feel like seniors are are, are discounted mm-hmm. Um. Or, you know, there's the whole invisible syndrome that people talk about as they get older. And I really wanted to address some of the issues that older people go through. And then especially in the theater, you know, it um, it's difficult as people age to continue to work. There's There are fewer roles. Um, the theater can be really physical. And there can be uh, memory is- issues.
0: Yes. And I... As I said, I live in a, in a town that's, that's populated by, uh, with a lot of retired people. When I first moved here uh, 35 years ago, it was almost all retired people. The, the people would graduate from high school and leave. And ah. now th- there are more younger people. There are a number of high schools around here. But when I go to the local community theater, I love mm-hmm. to go there because my wife and I can go and feel young because we are inevitably <laughs> the youngest people there. And it's wonderful, it's
1: wonderful yes, it, and i love i I love community. Theater. I love all sorts of theaters. you can probably tell. I love being an audience member i love i don't I'm not on stage any longer. I have a a disability that kind of nipped that not in the bud because I was doing it professionally for a long time, but i I don't act any longer, but I really enjoy being an audience member and uh, and the occasional getting to do a little behind the scenes work and uh, as a writer.
0: And that's part of the fun of this series is this whole behind-the-scenes view of what you call on your website, your tagline is madcap mysteries set in the off, off, off. Broadway world of theater, yes. <laughs> which I absolutely love. And it's so much fun for someone like me who really enjoys going to the theater to get this glimpse of what it's like, because I would be terrified to actually be in any of these plays. But it's it's fun to live vicariously through Ivy when she does this.
1: Yeah. And the backstage stuff is so wonderful. It's funny, that tagline, Originally was um, Madcap Mystery set in the off, off, off Broadway world of theater where the best drama happens off stage. Mm -hmm. And one of my actor friends said, that's not true. The best drama happens on stage. (laughs) And he's he's right
0: sometimes.
1: (laughs) But I love there's so much that goes on backstage. I mean, part of it is the stuff that creates the magic of theater that nobody knows about the quick changes the you know buckets of water dumped over your head if you're supposed to be you know in the rain the the lights the things that go wrong but then also you know theater is really a wonderful place because you feel you're definitely part of a community and each show you become part of a little family that exists only for that period of time usually which is mm-hmm. an odd thing But because of that, there is a lot of emotions. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of things that happen offstage and in the dressing rooms and in the bars afterwards. There's a lot of um, relationships happen very quickly and burn very brightly. Or no. burn very badly,
0: depending on <laughs> what's going on. We're going to do something that is completely unique for this show. Because you are a skilled, professional thespian, <laughs> you're going to read a little bit from your book. So I am, I am anxious to hear what you're reading, why you're reading it, and I can't wait to hear this performance. How's was, that for I, pressure?
1: I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> At least it's a script and not improv <laughs> okay i'm gonna read the first page of oh no i'm gonna get a drink of water first i'm gonna read the first page of a son of murder and yes there are a couple stories behind this particular page too so here we go i should never do anything pre-coffee it was only a teeny fire i told my uncle over the phone I sat outside on the steps of my apartment complex, watching the Phoenix Fire Department carry equipment out of my second-floor apartment. Black smoke trailed behind them. The air smelled awful, like the time I'd fallen asleep in front of a campfire and melted the bottom of my sneakers. Except this smelled like an entire Nike factory. Teeny fire, Uncle Bob said. Isn't that an oxymoron or something? Nah, I said, that's firefighter language for no one got hurt, right? Right. "'I asked an especially cute guy "'carrying a heavy-looking hose. "'Yep,' he said over his shoulder as he passed me. "Teeny, no one got hurt.' "'I smiled at him again "'and watched him descend the stairs. "'On the back of his firefighter's helmet "'was a sticker that said, "'Be nice.'
0: "'Olive,'
1: said my uncle with a sigh. "'Stop flirting with firemen "'and tell me what happened.' "'I'm not entirely sure. "'I was not a morning person.' I got up early to go to that meeting you put on my calendar. Since acting didn't always pay the bills, okay, rarely pay the bills, I worked part-time at my uncle's private investigation firm. Right now, I was mostly filing and writing reports, but Uncle Bob promised he was going to give me some real detective work soon. You got up early? I could hear the skepticism in my uncle's voice. What time? Eight-ish... To go to this meeting that starts in... Uh, I could almost see him squint up at the old clock on the office wall. In 20 minutes? Uh-huh. Right. Go on. I put the kettle on the stove. While my old coffee maker bit the dust, I had replaced it with a French press. A much better fit for a minuscule galley kitchen. Then I got in the shower. You usually do that? Turn on the stove, said Uncle Bob, and get in the shower? Sometimes. Then when I get out, the kettle's boiling and I make coffee. No waiting. Not only was I not a morning person, I was not a patient person, especially in the morning. Since the water was running, I didn't hear the smoke alarm. That's why you didn't hear the alarm. You were in the shower, said the cute fireman who was going back up the stairs. I nodded, though it did seem sort of obvious. I was wearing only a towel
0: that's it. All right. Now I will admit to being on this side. I've, I've read the book and I loved it. And I laughed through that scene and I laughed even harder while you were reading it, but I muted myself because I laughed myself into a coughing fit, (laughs) which would not have been good, good sound, but that was beautifully done. That was wonderful.
1: Thank you. And, you know, I was worried about the no laughs. I am an actor after. I'm like,
0: oh, no. Oh, it was. I, I thought about it, but I laughed so hard. I'm like, I think I think it'll be better if I just mute myself because it, it's not going to be pretty and people won't even be able to hear you. <laughs> okay. So that was wonderful. Now, we're talking about release day. This is release day. You're in Portland. So for people that are in Portland, what's going on?
1: Well, we are doing something really cool Um, because these are all theater based books and because I miss the theater and I love the theater and because I think well, there's so many reasons. I love a party and I think a party should have um, something really entertaining going on. What I do for my launch parties, which this one is on October 8th at O'Connor's Vault here in Portland is I rewrite part of the book uh, as a play. And then I have local actors help me perform it. So it's going to be really cool. We're going to be, not only we're going to be reading the first couple of chapters, um, again, I rewrite them so it's just dialogue and a little bit of internal dialogue, but also we are going to be doing a preview of the fictional musical in the book. (laughs) The Sound of Cabaret, and it's going to be so fun because, yeah, they're going to be singing all of the songs. I had a great time mashing those two together, and it's completely parodied. None of it, um, all of the songs have been rewritten to reflect the new Sound of Cabaret, which is supposed to be a world premiere that combines the best of both musicals, and basically Maria goes to a nightclub to help the uh, dancers learn how to sing. And of course, they end up actually, they're really being hidden from the Nazis. They're all Jews being hidden from the Nazis by the, the handsome Captain Von Kat. Uh, and they decide to rescue them all when the Nazis find out by disguising them as nuns and getting them across the Alps. And the songs are so much fun.
0: It, it was fun to read. Having seen both those plays that you're mashing together I'm just picturing the scenes and the settings and all this stuff and it's just it is fun stuff. Now let's speaking of fun, let's talk about these titles. Now you you've seen mystery series where you know that might begin with the letter A and then B and then C or they might be there might be a color in the name something like that. You obviously are using the name of well-known play. So essentially you have an unlimited length of your series that, that this can go on forever. How much fun is it to pick <laughs> these names?
1: It is really fun. The only thing that's interesting is every so often um, I can't, I want, I think about a play that I want to use, but I can't, I can't come up with a name, but let me tell you some of the ones I have come up with. So the third one, so we have Macbeth. Uh-huh. We have the sound of murder. The third one is Oliver twisted. <laughs> yeah i know i love this one and it's set on a cruise ship which is gonna be very cool um and then i have a couple other that aren't written but i have them in my head i have kill a lot like a frog, mm-hmm. which will probably be set during a ren fair uh malice in wonderland what was the one i just oh ivy get your gun
0: oh good one
1: yeah yeah um seems like i have a couple others but there's some of them are difficult like i I don't know if I'll be doing another Shakespeare right away, but I would love to do Romeo and Juliet, but boy, I haven't if, if any of the listeners come up with a good pun on Romeo and Juliet, let me know <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this is a this is a really fun series. How would you describe the series if if you were describing it to someone who didn't know anything about it, uh, where would you suggest they look what what subgenre, what shelf in the bookstore should they look?
1: Wow, well, they it's it's sometimes called a cozy mystery. Um, I think of it more as a humorous mystery. It's probably going to be shelved somewhere in there. Um, but if I was going to describe it, you know what? Actually, I just got a really lovely review on the Shakespeare Standard where they said it was kind of a mashup of Bridget Jones and Terry Pratchett. <laughs> which I don't know if isn't it, yeah. And so I really liked that. Um,
0: I mean, you could call it a cozy but I mean, you
1: know what? It, I'm not sure. It's, it's quite not that. quite.
0: It's not quite a cozy. It's it's more like it's it's more like a 1930s, campy, yeah. funny, story screwball. kind of thing. Yeah, screwball comedy. Screw, yeah,
1: screwball comedy. That's my favorite kind of. Com- I, I'm kind of old fashioned in my comedy taste. I love screwball comedy, and I love the old ugh, comedians. George Burns is one of my favorite. Um, But, you know, I'm not alone because you notice the Muppets are coming out with a new movie, and I love that kind of humor. It's just that kind of almost vaudeville burlesque kind of stuff, and I think it's really fun.
0: Yes, and these books are fun. The Sound of Murder, where can listeners find it?
1: It is available on everywhere online. Uh, by the way, it's from Henry Press, which if you don't know Henry Press, y'all should look them up. They are a small award-winning press that specializes in mysteries, so you can get it anywhere online. You, It is in um, a lot of independent bookstores sh- and libraries, and then you can look at Henry Press uh, for it as well, and, henrypress.com.
0: And I will link to that as well as your website in the show notes, but can you give people your website so I don't forget to ask that?
1: Yes, my website is CindyBrownWriter.com, CindyBrownWriter.com. And if you look me up, I am not the basketball player or the former Playboy bunny.
0: You're not. Is, the, no, the interview no. is canceled. <laughs> All right.
1: And on the website, you can uh, sign up if you would like, and I would love it. It's my Slightly Silly Newsletter which I put out monthly. And it is, I try to make sure there's only a smidge of book news. Cause again, uh, I, I think we need entertainment. And so nine tenths of the slightly silly newsletter will be entertainment. It's things like best places to hide a dead body. And I usually have a little solve a mystery quiz and some fun stuff. in there usually some, some silly things about what's going on in the theater. Uh, so hopefully people will enjoy that too.
0: I love that you named your newsletter. I was on your website earlier today. I think I've signed up for your for your newsletter, but mm-hmm. the fact that you named it and you have a title for it is genius. You're you're so right. smart. Now, uh, one last thing about libraries and independent bookstores. If you go to the library and they don't have it, ask for it. If you go to the independent bookstore and it's not on the shelf, ask them. They will order it for you. It, a lot of libraries, all you have to do is ask, and they'll get a copy of the book for you. So that's a, that's a great way to make sure you get get a copy if if you're a person who really likes physical books in your hand.
1: Yes. And please do that. It's really, it's, I love both libraries and independent bookstores because they really help us authors get the word out. and They're so supportive of us.
0: Well, Cindy, thank you so much for your time today. This has been fun. I knew it was going to be fun, but you have (laughs) exceeded my expectations. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you, Stephen, for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you do stop by the website, please sign up for my email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews, and there's very little funny stuff in my emails. (laughs) It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing, and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like The Sound of Murder from Cindy Brown. Thanks for listening.